Let's show our love to Pastor Ryan as he comes to minister God's Word. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, I would like to introduce uh, my folks, uh, Pastor Bill and Audrey Hakes. Would you guys stand up for me real quick? We have them here for the week. Oh, we just love having you guys. Thank you so much, Pastor, for the opportunity. Um, yeah, Mom and Dad are here to see me, um, but then the babies are here too, so they thought they'd throw that in. I'm just kidding. They don't even care about me. Uh, they, this is uh, this. The babies are three months old, almost four months old. It's crazy how fast that goes. Um, so uh, thank you, Mom and Dad, for coming up, and thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity. This is a message that the Lord has really been working on my heart, and uh, uh, I'm really excited to share it with you. Uh, I was talking with Julie over it, and I, I keep notes on where all my sermons are. So I was going through all my notes, and I, I take a, a quick search uh, and check to make sure I haven't, you know, done a passage somewhere, and all of a sudden it came up. I spoke about Nehemiah in 2012 right here, and I said, Julie, I can't, and the Lord has just put Nehemiah in my heart, and I, I said, I can't, I can't do this. You know, and Julie goes, oh, sweetheart, nobody remembers any of your sermons. You're, you're fine. You're fine. I'm like, why did I even bother writing one? I could have just used that one. Sorry, I have to. Yeah, I know, right? Look at that bottle. That's amazing. Um, the, uh, there is a fine mist dust in our house of um, formula, and it just dries out my throat. And uh, they say it's uh, seven times more carcinogenic than asbestos. So when you have that many babies, you go through a lot of formula. But uh, we're going to read out of uh, Nehemiah, and it's uh, just to the left of Psalms, uh, and it is Nehemiah 1. We're going to read the prayer of Nehemiah, and this is one of my favorite books in the Bible. And uh, so today we're talking about rebuilding the family gates, rebuilding the family gates. And uh, this uh, message is for all types of families. If you're a family of one, but you love Jesus, guess what? You're not a family of one. You're a family of billions of believers here on earth and those that are watching you and uh, praising you and excited for your life and, and cheering you on and uh, you're in the family of God. So whether you have a monster family and uh, 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 tons of kids uh, or it's just one of you, this message is for you today. Uh, Nehemiah 1, and I'm going to read starting in verse 4. Uh, verse 4, and he had just found out, um, actually I'm going to read in verse 5, uh, he had just found out that things were not so good in Jerusalem. And I said, oh Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, the rules, and the commands that your servant Moses Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them 
and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. Verse 10, they are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. 11, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now that you would move in spirit and in truth. And God, I just thank you for what you're doing in all of our lives today. I thank you for the family of Christ. And I thank you for family units in this uh, uh, room. I thank you, God, that you have created the family. You designed it, and your hand is on it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, the family is uh, my favorite thing to talk about ever. So here is, uh, here's the first family. And uh, um, I, I just want to say one thing about family, about relationships, about that. It's easy to let things go. It's easy to let things ride. It's, it's easy to let things coast. And uh, I... I, um, I will illustrate it by pointing to this picture, and you can see 2007. Uh, I did this for you guys uh, a couple, of, uh, a little while ago, and I thought this was an interesting thing to show you. Uh, so um, that's 2007. The reason I have pit stains is because I'm very sweaty. Um, watch this. A laser. How about, how about that? Right there, just in case you needed to see that. So 2000, so we had climbed to the top of a mountain, and uh, it was called the Chimneys. Uh, this is the one that burnt down. I, I didn't know mountains burnt down, but they did uh, just recently, and because uh, um, our love was so hot. And uh, so we're, I proposed, and that's the picture we took. And then for a number of years, we were on the five-year plan. Isn't that cute? We thought we could tell God what we were going to do. Uh, we were on the five-year plan for kids, and um, what did we do in that time? We did all sorts of travel. We did all, I don't know what we did. We wasted our money and just blew it all. And then we had children. Now I'd like to point out, um, this was such a stressful moment for us. I don't have a really good picture of Julie, the boys, and I. I have Julie, the boys, and Andy. So there's Andy. Uh, and uh, he's a, uh, my roommate from college. And so uh, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I want you to notice the difference. Look at this relaxed calm, happy face. Now I'd like you to just compare and contrast like you did in English class with this face here. Uh, is it gonna work? There it is. Now, it may not seem that big. Think about it. <laughs> this guy is going, what has just happened? And we had a, two sets of twins and then so I was, I was laughing about that, and I'm like, well, surely I have good pictures now. So here's my picture that I have of all four of my kids. I have two sets of twins now. So there we are. How cute. Everybody go, aww. This was for a jersey day we uh, had at the student nation. Everybody had to wear their uh, jerseys. Um, now this picture looks adorable. It looks picture perfect, perfect Kodak moment. But again, you need to use your forensic evidence. We need to zoom in. We need to look a little bit closer. And what do we see? What's going on there? Look at these children. They are just ready to go. Um, that one, I don't know what he's eating. Probably found it on the floor. We did not have pizza that night. Uh, yeah. That, that, so again, look at this face. 
That's the face of someone who's just given up. It's over. And it's easy to let things ride. Here's the thing about Nehemiah that I learned, and, and, and you just got to dig into Nehemiah. If you haven't read Nehemiah, it's awesome. It's got leadership stuff. It's got family stuff. It's got how to deal with uh, um, uh, unruly employees. It's, it's great. And uh, um, one of the things that I learned in this study, and that's what we're talking about today, is that gates are important. What's a gate? In fact, he started on the gates and then built the walls. So what had happened is the entire city of Jerusalem had been destroyed, just demolished. And they had uh, uh, taken all of the Israelites and they had shoved them into captivity in uh, Babylon. And uh, the Babylonians were then taken over. You ever had a, been in a company that got merged? This happened. So then they got the uh, uh, aggressive merger by the Persians. So they killed all the Babylonians, took over. And now people have uh, gone so long that there are people who were born in captivity. And that's Nehemiah. He was not a native son. And, uh, um, and he was, but he was very good. He was a, he was a cupbearer and, uh, um, and he had the ear of the king. And so what had happened is, is word had come to him through his brother, and he said, how's Jerusalem? And he said, the gates, the walls, the temple, the houses are leveled. It's like a bomb went off. It's like rubble everywhere. And, 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 and he's like, what? Because what had happened, 60 years earlier, there had been a contingent of 50,000 Jews who had been sent out of captivity, had been released from the Persians. The Persians just were like, you know what, why do we have all these people in captivity? Let's start releasing them slowly so they don't build up an army. So they they released 50,000 Jews to go back to Jerusalem. And they did. And they did nothing. They just were there. And, and Nehemiah was horrified. And he, and he said, is, is this all that God has for us? What happened to the gates? And see, what, what we don't understand is because um, when uh, artillery came in on the battlefield, gates Walls didn't matter anymore. It, 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 was, uh, it was basically, if you could shoot something over and blow them up, who cares? Airplanes, all that stuff. So what had happened is, is we have like a really weird sense of gates. But I want you to think of gates not in the sense of like a city wall. You have gates. In fact, you probably pushed a little button as you drove here this morning. What am I talking about? The gate to which you keep your car. The garage door is a gate. Now, how many of you were like, eh, I'll just leave it up today? Anybody? No, we live in a fine neighborhood. I trust my neighbors, but I still close the gate to my house, right? Why? Because my garage is dirty. I mean, come on. But, like, here's the deal. We, we, we have to think of these like gates. And so we, the gates are very important. In Genesis 22, it says your offspring, well, will possess the gates of the enemies. This is a promise to Abraham. Matthew 16 says the gates of hell will not overcome the church. Gates help us interpret Jesus' words. and A gate was a place where rulers met, business was transacted, 
In the New Testament, people were healed at gates. Gates were very important, and uh, the uh, city of Jerusalem had multiple gates, and each of them served a unique function. You know, there was one called the fish gate, where guess what happened there? Yes, they sold fish. Very good. Yes, excellent. Good Sunday school audience. Uh, they had the oil gate. They had the sheep gate, right, which is where they let all the ugly men in through, the sheep gate. But, uh, like, they had all these gates, and they served different functions. And I was, I was praying about it, and I was thinking about it, and I, and I realized something. There is a, 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 an interesting collection to these gates. And that's what I'd like to talk about this morning. And how many of you have ever felt this before? You look around at your hacienda, you look at your castle, you look at your house, and you go, is this all God has for me? You look at your car and you go, is this all God has for me? You look at your job and you go, is this all that God has for me? I'm not saying you're not content. I'm not, I'm not saying you're nasty and rude. I just think that sometimes we can get complacent. And complacent is a dangerous place. It's not content. See, content is the Lord has given it to me, I'm grateful for it, and I am at peace with it. But complacent is I am more than happy to play in the mud on the edge of the Grand Canyon. I have two six-year-old boys, and I can take them to the coolest place on earth, but if somebody else has an iPad, it does not matter. And, oh, 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 iPad, you know what I mean? I was so mad. Oh, oh, I was so mad. I was like, I didn't raise you animals, you know? I, 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 Dad walks in. Dad walks in to our house. Haven't seen him, and, and the boys haven't seen him in a while. They call him Pop Pop, because that's, you know, and it's cool. And, and, and so he walks in, and they go, ooh, poop, 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 poop. I'm like, oh, I'm going to destroy these things. And the, the school gives it to them? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't want it. They've already broken them. I don't, it's just, just iPads are the worst teacher education tool ever. But like, they were playing with the scraps, and they had their grandpa there, right there. Oh, I could have slapped him, and I felt bad when I did. But no, I didn't. But like, <laughs> here's the thing. See, I come from Florida, and most of the houses, um, they look. Uh, well, is this gonna work? Click, click. Uh, this is how good has for us. They look like this. This is what Florida houses look like. Um, it's a misnomer. You can't actually walk in that grass because you will just have nubs. Uh, it's very dangerous. But uh, they're pretty. They're pretty. And then I flew in to, to meet this Yankee girl. Not meet her, but like uh, uh, meet her family and all that kind of stuff. And when we were uh, pre-engaged, I guess, getting serious, and I flew up. And I drove in from DTW, and this is what I saw everywhere. And I was like, I can't believe this. I thought Kosovo was somewhere else. I didn't know it was right here in America. This is crazy. I have never seen like derelict houses before. I've never, I mean, I, you know, you have your occasional rough area and that kind of stuff, but I've never seen, I mean, the difference was like, ah, oh, oh. And what I realized, what I realized is that when people talk about Detroit, they have this weird nostalgia and they're like, oh, it was the land of possibilities. It could have been the Paris of the West. It could have been the Chicago, and things went south. And it, it dawned on me that if you don't think about a couple of things, 
You won't be able to talk like Paul when he said, I've finished my course. I've run the race. What does that mean? There are three gates. I've condensed all the gates in Jerusalem into three basic categories. The family gate. The family gate was real generic stuff. The sheep gate, the fish gate. Then there's the, the truth gate. And the truth gate was a gate that all the scholars used and the law and, and the, the, the different groups used them for um, uh, uh, the higher echelon, the politicians. They used the truth gates. And those were gates like the old gate and the water gate and the east gate. And then there was the ministry gate and this was like the Ephraim gate and the inspection gate and the fountain gate. And these were the leaders of the religious institutions and these were the Sanhedrin and and all of these different people, and they would use these different gates. And I thought it was really interesting that they kind of clumped up in three sections. You see, in Nehemiah is a book about rebuilding a wall, the wall of Jerusalem. Ezra, if you want to read a parallel book, it happens at the same time, is the book about rebuilding the temple, a different project. And so Ezra uh, is doing the, the, the temple, but Nehemiah has been given an amazing opportunity. God has put something on his heart. And I want to talk about what that means for us. There was a, a great story um, my pastor in Florida used to tell about a fisherman. And this fisherman would go fishing all the time for just panfish, you know, uh, bluegill and sunfish and that kind of stuff. And, and he'd go fishing and he'd reel it in and he'd get like this monster one and he'd throw it back. And he'd reel it in and he'd get a monster one and he'd throw that back and he'd reel it in and he'd get like a, a little one and he'd keep it. And on and on, back and forth, he went like this. He'd, he'd throw the monster ones back and he'd keep the little ones. And, and finally, it drove him nuts. And one day he asked him, why do you keep the little fish and throw back the big fish. And he said, well, I've only got an eight-inch eight frying pan. It's easier that way. And I think sometimes in our families, it's easier to keep the eight-inch frying pan than it is to upgrade to what God has for our lives and for our families. I think it's, it's easier to be okay with the status quo in our communities in our, our schools, and, and, and to say, well, it is the way it is. And, and we look at our families and we go, well, you know, that one kid, whatever his name is, he's a stinker. You know, well, yeah, she's not real smart. She has trouble in school and that kind of, and we just let it ride. But I think that God has called us to rebuild some gates. And the first gate I think we need to rebuild is the family gate. Ezra is doing the temple. Nehemiah is doing the walls. And he tells the guys, look, start on the gates first. Why? Because the gates are not designed for the enemy. The wall is. Listen to me. The wall is designed for the enemy. But if you want to keep everybody in and everybody out, you don't put a gate in. So your garage door is not designed to keep bad people out. It's to help you get out of your house with your car. So each gate is very important. And Nehemiah 1.3, it says, and the gates were destroyed by fire. And so he's, he's going in, and he, he looks at this temple, 
before it's rebuilt. And it says, now before this, Eliashib, the priest, prepared for Tobiah. Everybody say, boo, Tobiah, boo. Oh, man, you're energetic. Somebody get these guys some Red Bulls. All right, we'll try it again. Tobiah. Yeah, he's the worst. Boo! And, and, and a large chamber, they'd given Tobiah a large chamber where they had previously put the grain offering and the tithes of grain, wine and oil, which were given by commandment. And then uh, uh, Nehemiah is saying, I discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah. Very good. And prepared for him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And I was angry. And I threw all the household furniture of Tobiah, very good, out of the chamber. And then I gave orders, and they cleansed the chambers, and I brought back the vessels of the house of God with the grain offering and the frankincense. I mean, this is a crazy story. It actually mirrors something we see Jesus doing. He goes in, and he sees all of these people in his father's house, and they're selling the offerings. He's, he says, you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. And there's this holy anger that comes over Nehemiah. And I, I would love to have been walking by. It must have looked like an angry wife kicking out her husband. You know, all the furniture's on the side of the road, right? The record player comes out the window and he smashes the guitar and he's like, and stay out! I think in all of our lives there's a gate in our family that we have to watch out for. The family gate is the gate that kids run in and out of. It's the family gate. It's the fish gate. It's, it's, it's the, the, the dung gate, which is a gross word, but it was just the trash. You'd have your, your youngest son take out the trash. And, and so these, these, these little gates, are, they're family gates, but you know what? I have found, and Julie and I have found, that it's the little gates that have the most influence over the kids, over the teenagers, over people in our house and in our lives. Think about it. We actually have an artificial intelligence in our cell phones now. Whether it's Siri or Cortana or whatever you have in your phone. Um, this, this thing responds to voice activation. The other day, my son was exposed on the stupid school iPad. Thanks a lot, school system. Uh, uh, I thought I had checked it all off and turned it all off. He had looked up, uh, he calls it Circe, and for whatever reason, she responds to that. She should correct him, but whatever. Uh, not that smart, Siri. And she, she, she uh, will respond, and he goes, Siri, show me Logan. And he thought he was going to see a picture of his brother. Instead, he sees a trailer for a rated R X-Men movie. I mean, first of all, side note, really a rated R X-Men movie? I mean, who is it that's like, boy, I hope I get to see Sir Patrick Stewart say the F word. You know what I mean? Like, what the heck? And then, and so, and so my little six-year-old is watching it. I'm like, what are you looking at? Oh, my goodness. And I take it away. And we have since just removed all of that stuff. It's like, a, it's like it can barely be a calculator now, which I like. And, and, and yet that was a gate, a little hole in the Hakes family gate where the enemy got in. Ryan, it's just a trailer. It's not just a trailer. It's the enemy. It's not just a trailer. It's the enemy. And I have a question for you, especially parents. Who's getting in the family gate? Is the family gate strong? Have you built up the family gate? 
I mean, think about it. You do all this work, all this messaging. You take them to Sunday school. You tell them about Jesus. You do your prayers at night. You do all this stuff. And then for most of the day, she's in her bedroom doing what? I don't know. And our teachers are like, shut up, Ryan. Don't, don't go there. But like, think about it. What concerts did he go to last summer? Well, what was the lyrics of the concert that he went to last summer? Just because, and, and this is something, this is a personal pet peeve of mine, we as Christians don't use the world's rating system. Listen, we don't use the world's rating system. Well, it's only PG-13. It's only, well, it's an R, but it's not a hard R. You, you're telling me that you're going to let people in Hollywood tell you how to raise your kids? Grow up. Check it out. What apps are on the phones? I mean, you know, one of the, the most, what we realize now is that these artists, these bands, these groups, these movies, they're all pushed on us using specialized data that tracks you. You ever been creeped out on the internet where you, you go to another site after looking, you're like, you're looking at lawnmowers, you know, on whatever, and then you go to your news site and there's ads for lawnmowers? And you're like, NSA, what's going on? You, you're part of big data and they're tracking you. They're looking at you. They're checking it out. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. This is reality. I worked in advertising. I know how to manipulate people to make a vote. That's like was my job. And what, what that means, what that means is, and thankfully I'm a Christian when I was doing it, and we were going for Christian causes, but what that means is there are people who don't have the love of Jesus in their heart, and they are trying to sell your kids things. And not just for money. They want to turn your daughters and your sons into little versions of themselves. It's dark, it's demonic, and it's out there. Build up the family gate. You have to. You have to build up the family gate. You have to throw out the Tobias. Yeah, he's the worst. They come into your house. They take up residency on your cell phone. We cut the cord on cable. We cut the cord. We were done. I literally cut the cord because I kind of had to change because I ran over it with the lawnmower. But like, we cut the cord into like eight or nine pieces. It was great. But I was just like, you know what? I'm donezo. What, what, why? What do I need this for? What do I need this for? Get angry. Come on. You can do it. You get angry every time you drive on a whole road. You about lost your salvation on the way to church here. Why don't you take some of that rage and pour it against the enemy? Build that gate. Build that gate. See, look what happened. He, 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 he said this. I love this. And, and I'm, just, I'm not going to read all of it. But he said, look, I've commanded that the doors should be shut. And they won't be opened until after the Sabbath. And everybody thought that was a bad idea, but it worked for Chick-fil-A. And then the merchants and sellers of all kinds were lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice, but he warned them. And this is what he warns them. He says, I will lay hands on you. Ooh, I love the, the New King James Version. I'm a, son, I will lay hands on you. Dads, when's the last time you said that to the boy who's trying to date your daughter? Oh, I'm preaching so good. Come on. 
He walks in with a squeaky voice in his garbage car. Garbage car. Car, you let your daughter ride in that claptrap. And he comes in. He honks the horn. Son, I know I'm from the south, but that's just not right. That is not right. Hey! He texts her to ask her out. He texts her. Oh, my goodness. Dad, take Jimmy aside and say, I love my daughter more than anything in this world. And young man, I will lay hands on you. I got 10 acres, a shovel, and a bag of lye, and nobody will know where you went. I will lay hands on you. You need help? Rod Davis from West Virginia. He'll make that body disappear. What's in your family's chamber? Is someone in the family's chamber? Kick them out. The second, we need to rebuild the truth gate. Now, this was like the old gate, the water gate, and the east gate. These were social places where the family would, would, would not be. There's, there's no kids at these gates. This is the businessmen, the merchants, the lawyers, the, the really smart people, the, the, the intelligentsia. And they would get together, and they would talk, and they would hang out. But here's something that was amazing. During the building of this wall, everybody was required. Everybody was required. And in fact, there, and read it in chapter 3. I don't have time to read it. It's this awesome, hilarious log of everybody who's done something and what they were working on. And this family did this, and that family did this, and this family did this, and these guys didn't do it. Oh, it's hilarious. It's so snarky. It's like, uh, uh, I'm like, oh, you kind of invented uh, blogging. I love it. And he's like going after the, 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 the smarties and the hoity-toities that, that didn't help out. He's making fun of them. It's amazing. Chapter 3. But he, he has this, this thing where, where he says, look, the walls are down. And what if, what if my walls are down? How do I rebuild these walls? How do I reset these gates? I want you to picture this. Picture this. Imagine if overnight somebody had come through and destroyed everybody's driveway. Just gone. And you're like, well, the winter already did that. It's gone. You know, but like everybody's driveway is just garbage now. Imagine all the neighborhood has to get together and start rebuilding the driveway. Which driveway would you start on? The one in front of your house. The one in front of you. And so they did. So they did. They started working. Each person looked at the gate that was directly across from them and started working on it. I think that's a powerful word for us. This was families, rulers, priests. They began to look around and see. The, the thing is, is, it wasn't as if the building materials were gone. They were there. They were hanging out there. Now, here's the thing. People had been living in Jerusalem for how long? 60 years. Generations of people living in filth. Living in rubble. We were in the Dominican Republic and we had visited and ministered to people living in the trash. And it was heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Not for the adults. I mean, I feel bad when I see adults, but when you see little kids, it breaks your heart because you know they didn't choose this. And, it, and what we, I said, what is going on here? Why doesn't the government help? And he goes, you don't understand. 
the government has built all these people houses and got buses, put them on the buses, drove them over to the new houses, and they came back here because it was easier to eat the garbage than work and make money and, and take care of their family. Whoa. I'd never seen anything like that. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. I was horrified. Again, not for the adults because they chose this, but for these little kids stepping through filth and sewage. Horrifying. I mean, it scarred me. I still pray for them to this day. I'm like, Lord, get those little babies out of there. Because what happens is when people get complacent, they actually often have whatever they need right in front of them. More often than not. There's no reason to go hungry in America. I know because I've taken the youth to go work at uh, Forgotten Harvest. There's more than enough food. There's more than enough. This church is generous. We help people. We love people. We take care of people. But what happens? You have to walk over to the rubble and you have to pick it up. You go to a good church. Do you know that? You go to a good church. There should have been more people excited about that. You go to a good church. And you have a pastor who for decades has preached the word of God. Decades. And I'll tell you one of the most shocking things for me is people who walk over and they step over the truth and it's just left in the rubble. They never build up the gate. They just leave it right there. They collect the truth. They see the truth. They know it's there. They hear it. They check it out. They understand how it goes back together. And yet there it stands. That's laziness. That's laziness. These, these Israelites were lazy or uh, these Jewish people were lazy. They had all the material, and for 60 years they did nothing. It was the shock of my life as a young pastor when I first entered the ministry in Orlando, Florida, when I met a man who was in his 40s, and he came to me for counsel about his son who's using marijuana. And he said, Sean's just, he's just started using marijuana. I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm like, oh man, that's terrible. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm 19, 20. I don't know what to do either. I'm like, whoa, you know. And, 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 and I said, well, I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me a question. He goes, uh, ask him where he learned it. And I said, this, again, this is a man in his mid-40s. I said, well, sir, where did he learn how to do this? What did he learn? Well, I guess he learned it from watching me. Like that old PSA, I learned it from watching you, Dad. Like, it, I was like, you smoke? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I struggle with it. I'm giving it over to the Lord. I'm like, okay, well, how long have you been trying to quit? 15 years. How old was the son? 13. Dad, come on. It's right there in front of you. And you're coming to me? I'm barely older than your son, and you want advice from me? And I was like, well, maybe you should stop using drugs, you know? It's like, this is not rocket science. Rebuild the truth gate. There's a lot of truth left in the streets after pastors' really good sermons. It's the shock of my life when I see people, and I, I think, my goodness, you need to remove the rubble that's in the way to your own prayer closet. Don't come to me and be like, I, I, get, I deal with this with young adults and teenagers all the time. They're like, oh, I just can't read the Bible. I'm like, okay, well, when did you last try? Oh, I tried January 2nd when, you know, well, that was eight months ago. Okay, you know, like, like get the rubble out. 
Why do some homes succeed? They're like little Bible quiz kids, and they're so smart with the Bible, and others don't. Do you know why? For the same reason, you didn't eat one meal alone this week. You eat one meal a week, you would die. And yet so many of us, we eat once at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, and we're like, yum, 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 done, done, done. And we go through the rest of our day. Look, I love preaching. Like, really, I like it. I listen to more sermons than I do music. Drives Julie nuts. I like preaching. But here's the deal. I have never learned more about the Bible from preaching than I did just opening it up. Because there's something about the Word that when you read the Word, it reads you. When you look into the Word, the Word looks back into you. When you see correction in the Word, for some reason it's stronger than a, sharper than a double-edged sword, able to pierce your own bone. It cuts through spirit and flesh, and it cuts through you, and it never fails. Every single time I've opened up the Bible and seriously said, Lord, give me something for today, I've never gone hungry. I've never, never, and you don't need to either. But you have got to rebuild the gate of truth. Just being good isn't good enough. Just being nice isn't nice enough. You will starve to death. You'll starve to death. You know, you can die from eating too much rabbit. You ever hear that? Certain kind of poisoning. And uh, the fur traders and all those guys, they die from eating too much rabbit. It's too lean. There's no fat in it. A rabbit has no fat in it. And, uh, and they would eat, 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 eat. They are full, 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 full. And they're like, what? I'm good. I think sometimes even the people who are in the Word, they're listening to their podcast. They got a little hill song rocking and rolling when they drive. They do all of that stuff. But they don't actually go to the Word. There's a great moment in the Bible when Peter asked Jesus something. But instead of asking Jesus, he asked John. Now John was laying on Jesus' chest and he could hear the heartbeat of God himself. How crazy, I can't even get my head around that. But instead of asking Jesus himself, he goes to John to do it for him. I love sermons. I love our pastor. I love our ministries. I love all of that. But at the end of the day, I'm responsible for feeding myself and feeding my kids. It's my job and it's your job. Do you pray together? Do you talk about the Lord? I find so many young parents feel, it's, it's almost silly to say it, but I get it. They feel embarrassed to be the spiritual head of the house, like it's corny or kind of silly. I got a newsflash for you. If your child is over the age of 11, you are already the lamest person they know. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Be as lame as you want. They could not think any lamer of you, okay? Get in there. Guys, it's Malachi Monday, right? It's Tobias Tuesday. Yeah, good. Teach your kids to boo every time you say Tobias, right? That way when they actually meet a real Tobias, they boom. It's very awkward. It's hilarious. Pray over the food. Fine. But pray when they cut their finger and get a boo-boo too. Lead your children. Grandparents, come on. Lead your grandbabies. Lead them. Oh, we're going to pray. 
One of the most precious things, one of the most precious things was to see my dad tuck in my boys and pray with them the other night. I was like, ah, that's great. I love that. Because he thinks this is my progeny. And if you've got some wayward grandbabies, grandparents, oh, you can't get any weirder to them. You're already a grandparent. They love you. They can't get away from you. And they feel this weird guilt about ignoring your phone calls. Okay? Bug them. Bug them back into the kingdom. I've been praying for you. Oh, come on, Grandma. I love you, and Jesus loves you. Oh, come on, Grandma. God's got his heart uh, straight focused on you. Oh, come on. And eventually it's going to cut through because God's love always outlasts the lazy, secular world. You got a rebellious kid? He will always be disappointed by the world way before he's disappointed by Jesus. Always. All you have to do is outlast the world. His flaky, stupid friends. That's all you have to do. Get in there. Rebuild that gate. And the last, and I'll, I'll end here, is you need to rebuild. I need to rebuild the ministry gate. And the ministry gate, and eh, we'll just, uh, uh, there we go. I need to rebuild the ministry gate. And is that DVD okay? All right, great. Thank you. Um, I love Kim. Ephraim gate, inspection gate, fountain gate, all these gates. They had to be built up. And in Nehemiah 3.12, it says, Next to him Shalon, the son of Halosheth, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired he and his daughters. Ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired he and his daughters. Look, I think it's kind of cool that the Detroit mayor is putting new lights in and Midtown's looking pretty cool. But you want to impress me? Get out there with your daughters and start paving some roads, changing some light bulbs. That would make the, the Fox News overnight, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be on 2 News? Oh my gosh, people would be like, what? What's he doing out here? What does this mean? The family that ministers together stays together. I guarantee it. Even if they have a, a rebellious session, a rebellious season, we all walk through some rough patches, the family that ministers together stays together. I've seen it over and over and over again. I've also been the recipient as a youth pastor of parents who drop their kids off on Wednesday night and pick, drop them off late and pick them up early. And they see it as an opportunity to get some Christmas shopping done. And I think, what are you doing? I'm not mad at you because it's weird for us. That's annoying, but I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at you because it's your kid. It's your kid. And there's so many families that don't even get serious about spiritual stuff until they have children. And, and then they come see me and they're like, oh, I just, I don't know what's going on with Jimmy. Well, the first 14 years of his life, he was allowed to do whatever he wanted. And now he's supposed to get serious about God? I got an idea. Come with me to Louisiana, August 1 through 5. Last time we went to New York, the entire Addy family, and I mean the entire grandpa, everybody, we all, they were all there. And it was awesome. The family that ministers together stays together. God has his special anointing. You build the gate in front of your house. I believe that every broken thing in church, society, the world is waiting for a believer to raise 
up a gate, to raise up. Don't tell your kids what to do. Show them what to do. Put your hand to the plow first. Lead by example. Realize that our children will never listen to you. Your kids will never listen to you. They w- <laughs> People with teenagers are like, <laughs> yeah. they won't listen to you. They will watch you. They will watch you. And if I remember, guys, listen to me. I remember, I'm just bragging on him because he's here for the week and then he's gone. But like, I remember kneeling down on this ugly brown corduroy couch. You remember that couch? Kneeling down for nightly prayers. And folding my little fingered hands together and dad would pray for nine hours. And I would go like this and my head would push into that corduroy couch and then he'd go, amen, in that baritone voice. you got to meet him. He sounds like a DJ. And, and I'd wake up, and my head would just be this like lattice work of marks from the couch. But I remember. But I remember. That's why I'm in the ministry today. Right? Isn't it worth it? Gates are for family. They're not for strangers. They're not for the enemy. They're for family. Walls keep everybody out. Gates let family and friends And I'd like to show you a video in ending, and this video is two minutes long, and what it shows is a father coming into his adult son's moment of greatest need. His adult son. So you never relinquish that fatherhood. You never get rid of it. Let's go ahead and play that video, and we'll end.
Stand with me this morning. Did you appreciate that word we received this morning? Praise Lord. Paul the Apostle, in the shadow of the headman's axe, said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. God, give us parents, give us grandparents that will guard the gates of their homes, their families, that will help their children, their grandchildren to finish the course, to finish the race that is set before them. Just because your children have left the home does not mean that you're finished in your parenting. Oh, let me tell you, the prayer fight has just begun many times. Be found faithful, mom and dad. Be found faithful, grandpa and grandpa, grandma. Watch what God will do as you are there to help your children, your grandchildren. Fight the good fight. Finish the course and keep the faith. Thank you so much for that word you gave us this morning, Pastor Ryan. Father, I stretch my hand across this congregation, and Lord, we speak blessing. Lord, we're thankful, oh God, that Lord, outside of salvation, the most formative factor in all of our lives is family, the home. Lord, parental instruction, both in word and in deed. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, no matter what season that we are in, help us as parents, as grandparents. Help us, oh Lord, to pay the price, to pray the price. In the name of Jesus, Lord, upon the families, the homes here at Lakeside, Lord, I pray for a special dunamis of thy Holy Spirit to come upon each and every home. Help us, O oh Lord, in the healing of our homes. God, revive our families. Start in our marriages. Lay, help us lay the foundations, Lord. Help us to guard the gates and rebuild them for you. Now may the grace of the Father and the love of the Son, Christ Jesus, and the sweet communion of your Holy Spirit be upon one and all. In the name of Jesus we pray it. Amen and amen.